Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And now... Coming to you live from atop the Goldenrod City Radio Tower, it's the one, the only, Puckle TCG Cast! Hello, hello, welcome Puckleonians to episode 19 of the Puckle TCG Cast. I am your host, Lord Jishiro, and... Of course, Puckle stands for Pokemon Underground Champions League, a nonsensical name our fearless leader that came up with. Here with me tonight, I have none other than a man that is, some say, that is the one that puts laughter in manslaughter. It's Gator. I was tried by a jury of my peers and they found me not guilty. However, I do use Quaking Punch, so you can still hate me. All right. (laughs) <laughs> yep and that's why that's the manslaughter right there we have a great show for you guys as you hear uh, uh we're in a duet today uh but uh that doesn't mean that you won't get your bang for the same bucks now we have a few news to go over and our topic of today will be uh, how to read the meta which will be pretty fun and then we'll continue the shows with a few other things so let's go on and start with the news drop it Welcome back, and we're into the news now, and we got a lot to talk about. And we're going to continue with none other than Sun and Moon, because, you know, it's a hot topic right now. And that is with uh, the Sun and Moon Trainer Kit, which is to feature Alolan Raichu and Lycanroc. Now, this kit, which we all know, it's always interesting to get these kits, because they always bring interesting stuff into the set. Sometimes they reprint some things. They're their own little symbol, their own set, so it's always exciting. Uh, this one, which, uh, as I said, includes Raichu and Lycanroc, will arrive at January 21st. It's going to be two decks of 30 cards. April 21st. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, and has not been released in Japan as of yet. So this should be interesting. Uh, those of you who have seen this before, I mean, we got one uh, last year featuring, uh, I think it was Lucha Libre. It was the last one that we yeah, see was, was Lucha Libre. Yeah, and then the, we have the Suikun Suikun one. Mm-hmm. Um, so this should be pretty cool. Like Jushiro said, you get the little unique set symbol for it. Um, it comes with your two thirty card decks with like a foil card of the Alolan Raichu and Lycanroc. 
Um, it gives you the little game booklet, the damage counters. This is a great little kit to pick up if you're playing with like your child or you're just getting somebody into the TCG. Like it's a perfect little. They're they're balanced against each other. They teach everything you need to know. They're yeah. cool. And if we are lucky, it always brings a nice reprint of a trainer card that is always nice to have. I really like these uh, these battle boxes, as they call, because of that same reason, because it gives us an opportunity to get cards that otherwise are really needed, but they're otherwise really difficult. Oh, to, no, no, no. You're getting these confused to, to with find. the battle arena kits. Yeah. Um, these are the... Um... The Battle Arena decks keep the set symbol. These get their own unique symbol. That's no, no. a little bit different. No, no, yes. Yes, I, I know that. But these also bring some uh, sometimes uh, nice little uh, trainers that are nice to have. Yeah, like like Acrobike. Acrobike came out of the Soycoon and yeah. uh, set last time. So I'm super excited to see what gets printed. Yep. So we're going to move on to the next one, which is uh, everyone's favorite evolution of Scyther, <laughs> which is Caesar EX. Go ahead and uh, take this one away. Okay, well, I didn't know that there was an alternate evolution besides Caesar, so I'm kind of pumped about that. Um, you're going to have to show me this fake mon uh, video game you've been playing here. But uh, basically, we're getting a Scizor EX box, so it's going to come with your, your standard foil Scizor EX, Jumble Scizor EX, your four booster boxes, and a Pokemon trading card game code. That's also coming out on uh, April 21st. Um, so... It's Scizor. I mean, he's not super great right now, but hey, who knows what Sun and Moon meta changes can bring about. Um, that just means he'll be cheaper to get. So, Yeah, and, and Caesar does follow what Sun and Moon seems to be the path it's taking, which is lower damage but high consistency. So um, I'm, I will not be surprised to see Caesar EX reaching a good level playing field for when this comes out. Uh, I'm sorry, for when Sun and Moon meta takes over. So that that's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Now, moving on to uh from Seesaw, we're going to go on for Lycanroc GX box, which was also announced. Uh this one will be dropping February 24th, and it was going to feature of course Lycanroc GX the midday form. Uh, and it will include a few things including uh the giant card version of Lycanroc um, so it's your typical product pa product uh, box, which will include uh, the card, the EX card, plus a giant one and a few boosters for you. Um, we always get these all the time. It's fun to see Lycan Rock going to be released this way. So stay yeah. tuned for that. It's just like the uh, this um, Mega Beedrill box we just got, where it's got the cool little GX card sitting in there, and this GX card's pretty decent. Um, mm -hmm. it might see some play. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I really am, uh, annoyed of these giant cards. I mean, they're cool if you want to decorate your house. Um, and, uh, if you're single, you're never going to get uh, a date. But, uh, hey, I now. really, <laughs> but I, I would really like them to start doing more pins again. I'm I mean, just I've got not a fan of these giant ones. They're on my shelf over there. I'm looking at Snorlax GX and Mega Salamence and Mega Charizard right now. I mean, they're cool enough. Um, they are. But, yeah, like, I agree with you. I prefer pens myself. Um, they're just can't, cooler, and yeah. you can put them places. You can't go wrong. You definitely can't go wrong. And speaking of not going wrong, we're going to move on to the next piece of news, which was very entertaining because I really like these uh, deck, elite deck shields. Uh, so go ahead and take it away, Gator, with these. 
Okay, so these are the Elite Trainer Deck Shield 10s. So, uh, for for those of you that don't know, Pokemon occasionally releases these 10s. They're probably about 6 inches tall, and they have a nestled... And they're made of metal, and there's a nestled little thing that goes in the top that has a, a space where you can put your coins and your uh, damage counters. And then you take that off of the 10, and inside goes your deck. Um, the 10s come with two booster packs and 45 basic energy cards, and cost about 13 bucks. And there's, of course, they're going to be Solgaleo and Lunala. The last ones, I think, were Xerneas and Avetal. Um, grab these while you can. They make excellent deck boxes, and they're just they're a nice little self-contained unit for what they are. And I'll definitely be picking up a Lunala one as soon as I can find one. Yeah. Uh, before, I mean, other than the Ivelta uh, uh, and the um, Cernius, we also had the Gengar and Lucario and the ground, the Primal Ground on Primal Kyogre ones as well. Um, in fact, the one that I have is the Mega Gengar uh, Lucario one, which looks very, very awesome. And these are very nice. Um... When it comes to holding out the deck, they're really nice. I really do prefer them, especially because they have a little, uh, the, so what it, what is considered to be the top of it, which you use to seal, right, the deck inside, it's also, also has a tiny compa- compartment, which we could put your die and all your damage counters and stuff, and it's really handy. I really like it a lot. So definitely, it, it's something that if you're looking for a nice quality deck holder, this is definitely something to consider. Plus, it brings two boosters in it, so you can't go wrong with it. Definitely not. And 45 of those new hot energies that come out in Sun and Moon. For those of you that don't know, Sun and Moon got new, like, designs on the energies. We didn't really talk about that in the set review. Yeah. They're pretty, they're growing on me. They're really cool. They kind of look like a, an eye, basically, in the middle of a card. It's pretty neat. Yep. So, we're going to move on. And speaking about pins, there is something about pins coming on, and that's the Legacy Pin Collection and Entei Suikun Raikun Pin Blisters in May. Now, these are going to arrive, as you guys know, these uh, blisters are basically these uh, carton, uh, carton, which includes about three boost, uh, boosters plus a pin, uh, or sometimes they only have two boosters, depending on which blisters we're talking about. Now, uh, these are going to be arriving as uh, in May, and they're basically going to feature a few things. Uh, we, uh, also, because they're also gonna be releasing right next to the Seesaw EX box, if I'm not mistaken, and the Kindra EX box, which are gonna be in March and April. So stay tuned for those. Um, these legendary pins are gonna feature Entei, Suikun, and Raikou. Um, so the idea is that with these, with Suikun, Raikou, Entei, Scizor, Kingdra, this might be some sort of cross-promotion with Pokemon Go. So they might be hinting that Pokemon Go has the gold and silver Pokemon coming out. Um, so this should be really interesting to see. I'm excited. Yep. Um, and the different promo cards they're going to have include Politoed, Slowking, Crobat, Blissey, and Blossom. Yeah. And that's yeah part of the Legacy uh, Evolution pin, uh, that which includes then the five... Pokemon TCG boosters plus those promos that you just mentioned. And it also features Steelit EX, which is going to be awesome. An awesome Crowbat Collector's pin as well. And of course, the code for you to be able to transfer it to the TCG online. All of these will be included on the Legacy Evolutions pin, which is not to be mistaken with the Suikunente uh, blister packs. So two, two different things that we just talked about. Okay, so moving on from the pins, we have Lana and Decidueye Jin Tournament promos. So go ahead and Gator, talk about this. 
So, a new tournament poster revealed that, uh, like Beware GX, Decidueye and Lana will be one of the 12 promos that players can open out of the promo boosters in Japan's gym tournaments this February. Um, we had a Decidueye that came out. It's not really great. I'm not going to bother reading it. Um, we'll talk about it when we do. It's basically a reprint from Sun and Moon, but different artwork. So you guys know what the regular Decidueye does. It's not even the GX. However, we did get a new supporter in Lana, which is... Heal 50 damage from each of your Pokemon with a water energy attached to them. Yes. So, Water Toolbox got a new nifty tool. I mean, they already have Rough Seeds, which heals 30, but this heals... So, if even if you have any Pokemon with water energy attached to it, so if you have a normal type with water energy, this will heal that, which Rough Seeds will not do. So, this has potential. Yes, and of course, making, once again, the fact that Primarina is the best starter for Sun and Moon, like I mentioned... This is just more... <laughs> First off, you're not even right for video games. Second of off, you're definitely not right for TCG. TCG, <laughs> as much as I love Incineroar, it is Decidueye. Decidueye is going to be the the shining star of the set. Just watch. Sure, sure. But anyway, um, Lana actually supports more water, which is amazing. And I like where the direction this is going for water, where they're beginning to be really bulky, very defensive type, very, uh, very just hard to take down. And that is something that is always interesting me in every TCG. I like playing the tank deck, where it's just daunting for the opponent to be able to knock anything off my uh, my set and bench. So really excited for this card. Really excited to build my own uh, water tool bag, uh, like Gator just mentioned. So it is just a welcome addition to what is the growing number of weapons to be included in these water decks. So very exciting for that. Um, can't wait for that to come out and be available. Now, that won't come soon enough. Now, what is coming soon enough is the Toys R Us Sun and Moon event on February 4th. Now, these, uh, is to celebrate the official release of the Sun and Moon set, which we all know is this week. Uh, by the time you're listening to, listening to this, it will be the next day, so this Friday. So if you're available on Saturday, Toys R Us is holding an event and they will be giving out, um, uh, exclusive full Cosmog from the set and a special T- uh, Toys R Us stamp as well as a Sun and Moon Collector's album featuring Sol Galeo and Lunala's booster pack artwork so this is a nice thing to do make sure you go around i would say 12 to 2 p.m and you'll be sure to participate in this now please on your way there do not tackle any small children or knock them out uh we do not endorse violence um and if you're listening to this after saturday we're sorry yeah yep sorry so, so sorry so we're gonna finish up with what is the biggest news so far Gator, do us the pleasure. So, you played Sun and Moon, you like your Tapus, well the next set coming out for May, Sun and Moon, Guardians Rising. That's right, the Tapus are stepping up and stepping out. So, Tapu Coco GX, Tapu Bulu GX, Lycanroc, all these cards are getting released in Japan on March 13th. So we should have some spoilers before then. So just as you're getting warmed up in Sun and Moon, we are getting the Guardians. Oh, yes. And this is arriving around. This will be approximately our May set, uh, which is always three months apart. So in February, we're getting the regular Sun and Moon set. And now we're getting the Guardians Rising, which I love the name, first of all. Really enjoying the name. Second of all, is it coincidence that it's arriving pretty much at the same time than Guardians of the Galaxy? 
Probably, <laughs> yes, it is a coincidence, but I would like to believe that it was on purpose as well, since Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my favorite movies. Um, now, it is really exciting to be able to see more legendaries coming to play in the TCG. Um, we, we love them, legendaries in the TCG. They o- almost always tend out to be amazing cards. And uh, I love the Tapus, so it's uh, it's easy to uh, to maybe guess that maybe maybe this set, since it has Tabu Coco in the artwork for the boosters, maybe this is the set that finally helps Electrics come back into play. Which right now is a very they are in very need to be more relevant than they actually are. So if this if it is definitely the set to bring back Electric, then that but definitely makes it. Makes me very excited for this set to be arriving. And that's it for the news, everyone. Uh, not some good things. Lots of uh, awesome. F- the future of Pokemon TCG is going to be amazing. And the momentum is just not slowing down. I mean, we could have talked with about so much more, but we <laughs> don't have the time. But we do have the time for the topic, which we'll be discussed right now in Topical Beach. Welcome to Topical Beach. Welcome back, everybody, and you have arrived at none other than Topical Beach. And we're going to discuss what is the meta. How, what is the current meta? How can you, how can we tell your uh, good tips on how to read the meta? This is what we're going to discuss today. So, without further ado, Gator, let's start this out. Yeah, well, so we're going to start talking about the current meta, like, well, because it's about to go away, but we it needs to be mentioned because it's not fully going away. Then we'll cover the future meta, and then we'll talk to you guys about how do you read your own meta, um, because metas, ex- what is a meta? That's a good question. Um, thank you, Gator, for asking, Gator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when we say a meta, what we mean is what decks are most prominent and are you most likely to see. So right now, the current meta, the top cards would be um, Gardevoir decks, uh, Mega Rayquaza, Evetal, Greninja, Greninja. yeah, Volcanion, um, uh, Vileplume Toolbox, or yeah, Vileplume Toolbox, mm-hmm. um, the Regice Glaceon Jolteon, um, Rainbow Road has, has actually kind of fallen off, but you guys get the point. Like, you guys have heard us talk about these decks before, and we have these different decks, and this is what we'd consider the meta. And so. it's very important also that it, the meta doesn't just stop as well in decks. It also uh, stops at uh, tip- types of trainer cards that are currently being played a lot, a special type of Pokemon, uh, and so forth. So the, the meta consists of what you're seeing in play a lot. Now, that might be specific decks, as might well be, like, for example, when, um, oh my god, the, the trainer, forgot the name of the trainer, the, um, the one that puts, no, the one that puts your, all of your Pokemon back into your deck. Karen? Karen, thank you. When Karen came out, that was a big chef than meta, uh, in the sense that, uh, Vespiquin was more difficult for it to play and so forth. So the meta consists of just what is being played at the time. Mm-hmm. And so metas are not something that stays solid. Um, this season, like we had some very special things that came about and we could talk about it a little bit. Um, the season started really strong with a Vettel winning and top cutting every tournament it was in all the way through the European continental, which ended up being like top five spots for all of Vettel. And then Dallas rolls around, and there's no Avedal to be seen in top eight. Georgia yeah. rolls around, and there's no more Avedal to be seen. So what happened? 
people started teching for the meta. People started anticipating that they were going to see a lot of a Vettel, and they started playing the game. Yep. Um, so what's, we're going to talk to you a little bit about like certain things, archetypes of decks and these kinds of things that are current in our meta right now. So you guys have an under an idea and an understanding of things to look for. So the first one would be Garboder. Now, Jushiro, like, what do you think of when I tell you Garboder? It locks out abilities, making it oh, very difficult for types of Pokemon like Shaming, Manaphy EX, all these cards to be able to be working as they should. So it is yes. a big lock. Yeah, so it hurts Greninja decks because they're counting on their ability to hurt you. That hurts Volcanion, and that hurts Mega Gardevoir because Mega Gardevoir plays a lot of Pokemon that are relying on abilities. So that's Garbodor is a natural reaction to those decks being so strong. You want to play Garbodor because you don't want to get beat by Greninja. And Garbodor is so strong right now because we're missing something that we we haven't been missing for a long time except for, like, very convoluted ways of doing it, and that's tool removal. Yes. Which is a pain like, since since we lost Sorosic and we lost... Um, uh, tool, tool Scraper. Vo- yep, exactly. Startling it's- Megaphone. Yes. All of these trainer cards that would have completely <laughs> eliminate. We are left with a simple Ratata that doesn't even work against Garbodor. It, no. it is very, very sad that we're in a point where there's just no way to get rid of these tools. And the reason that tool removal is important, especially against Garb, um, and in general, is because Garb needs that tool for its ability to be active. But also we have Fighting Fury Belts now, which are making the HP super strong on things. Um, we have Float Stone, which is making it so the Pokemon get away with retreating fairly easily. Um, if you compare Expanded, where they do have tool removal, with Standard, Expanded has a lot more answers to things than Standard does right now. Yes. Um, what other, what other, what are some other, um, features of the current meta, do you think? Well, another thing that it's going around is the fact that special energies are in danger constantly. There's a lot of oh, yeah. cards like Seesaw EX, which you just mentioned that the box is going to be revealed, that are just hating on special energies and taking, removing them, making it really risky for you to play these energies. That combined with other sources of, uh, uh, that takes advantage of that, such as the, hey, nobody likes this set, but it is something that is, is the eradicate from that set, which does 60 damage for each special energies on your opponent's discard pile. So, Energies are a big gamble nowadays, which is actually something that I really appreciate of the game. Special energies are known to do one or two things. Either accelerate your process with double colorless energies or double dragon energy, which will make it faster for you to be able to reach those attacks, or it adds special effects like it were a tool. Like I'm thinking like a strong energy for the fighting type, so to add an extra 20 damage or the... Um, 10 damage. Or no, it is 20. 20 it right. is 20, yeah. yeah um, I'm thinking of Regirock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the um the fairy the the I'm sorry I forgot what was the fairy's name. The fairy's uh, wondrous injury energy. Yeah, wondrous one that stops you from getting status conditioned. Correct. Um, so they add extra effects. So they're more powerful than your average uh, energy. However, being that there are special energies, there are a lot of cards that just focus on getting rid of them. So it is a gamble of to whether will you play it safe using a basic energy. Or do you risk it for that little extra humph that you might need to carry out that uh, move? 
and because stuff like Avetal required a DCE for the um, the Avetal from Breakthrough, you had a lot of decks that ended up taking in this season Team Flare Grunts and Enhanced Hammers, and those just became you know a standard part of the list. If you don't have those, how are you beating these decks? So that that warps the meta because you have to deal with special energy making these Pokemon set up super fast. How how does your deck list and deck building change because of that? Um, and I think special energy is one of those things that have stayed constant all season along with like garb. Um, but one thing that I noticed too about our meta was mega Pokemon. Yeah. So at the start of the season, everybody was super scared of like mega, mega Rayquaza. Um, Gu- the guiltiest charge. Like everybody ran um, parallel city. Everybody was like trying to find a different way to beat mega Ray and mega Ray just, fell off. Nobody was playing it. Um, the same with Mega Gardevoir. Like, everybody's just trying to go fast, trying to beat these decks, and they're playing things that beat them. But then we saw what happened. People stopped being prepared for those decks because they stopped showing up. And then what happens? Dallas happens when Mega Gardevoir comes out of nowhere. Mega Mewtwo comes out of nowhere. Yep. Mega Ray comes out and almost takes the top spot in Georgia. Uh, yep. It's what I call the... It's the Eye of the Hurricane... Uh, event right so it's you see it blowing it's blowing hard suddenly it stops and you don't worry about it and then when the blowback comes back it's going to come stronger than ever and that's what that's what happens with these decks when people stop playing them it's what happened with Evelta EX Evelta EX was not being played for the longest time why because it was Night March that was constantly there that made Evelta EX just not worth it to be played because of its weakness against Electric and how easily just Night March would take care of it. The moment Night March was out of the picture, Evelta was up back in on top of the charts because it's, it mm-hmm. is that fluent, like Gator mentioned in the beginning of the topic of the sec- segment, that me- the meta is not, to quote Doctor Who, it's not just a straight line of progression. It is more like a wibbly wobbly timey-wimey meta stuff where it's constantly in the move constantly changing and you have to adapt and keep an eye and like true in the game in the video game where prediction is key when it comes to meta prediction is also key it is how to predict the meta of what you're going to participate in Mm-hmm. And it's you just have to be constant and paying attention. And like we're talking about the archetypes here. Like these are like important features that you need to think about when you're building your deck. Like if you're building your if you see a Vettel is everywhere, people started teching in Zebstrikas. Um they started like trying to figure out a way to knock out these Pokemon that are leaked to electric, which in turn um I'll give you a good example of how um unintended consequences of teching for a meta so when everyone was teching against uh, Mega Ray, they were unintentionally teching against uh, Rainbow Road. Um, yeah. Because if you're trying to limit the bench damage, which is what you're doing against Mega Ray, then Rainbow Road, um, unintended consequence. You're trying to tech against DCEs, Rainbow Road, unintended consequence. Um, so that deck ended up struggling because you had these set things that are required for the meta to go, and it just it fell short when it ran up against all these walls. Um, yep. Um, another thing I was going to mention, um, Jushiro, was something we talk about a lot, which was evolution-style decks. Yep. Um, can you even think of like very many successful evolution-style um so at the moment, really, what we can see is Greninja. Obviously, it's an it's a evolution deck that is very 
prominent, and that is because of Frogadier's attack, which allows you to place multiple Frogadiers in one turn, making the whole speed up process of having multiple Greninjas faster. So the reason why evolution decks are just not readily available or readily playable, it is the fact that because they're slow. They take a lot of time. Uh, you put your basic, you need to wait a turn, you then put your stage one, and then you need to wait another turn, and then you have eventually stage two. It's a three-turn pro- process. And of course, you can have uh, shortcuts such as Rare Candy or uh, the... Um, the Forced Giant Plants. Well, not that one. I was going to get to that one. Um, no, the I was going to say super- that's a shortcut. It's it's for grass decks. It's the shortcut. Like this yeah. is how you go fast when you do it. Um, Correct. You're talking so, about Wally. Is that Wally? Him? Thank you. Yes, my my memory today is bad. I don't know why. I know the cards. It's just the, the name just escapes me. So Wally, exactly. Is all the way to accelerate. Now, in the case of grass, however, we have, as Gator mentioned, Forest of Giant Plants. Now that one is a one hell of a card because it allows instantaneous revolution for all grass types which opens up a whole slew of opportunities for grass and it's something that is very prevalent in today's meta and it will be even more prevalent soon because as we've seen with sun and moon it's just the grass types are raining down the good cards are raining down so we are going to probably see an increase of these grass types but not to say that we not only we're not seeing those at the moment right gator no, 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 because we still have stuff like Vile Plume, which is a stage, th- which is a stage two deck that runs those cards. We still have stuff like um, Vespaquin that relies on the um, yep. Forest of Giant Plants too to get set up quickly. But it's funny you mentioned the the new cards that are coming along because Evolution style, like that, that's one of the things you have to pay attention to in this meta. Like the reason your deck wasn't as good if you're playing Evolutions because everything else set up so fast, but. I think this is a good segue into talking about what's coming out with this future meta based on the cards that we're seeing. Um, we we get some really cool features that we... The, the metas are cyclical, like we talked about. Things change, things come and go. Different play styles get more popular. You, know, you got, you're hyper-offensive with Night March. You have your denial decks like um, Sableye Garb and uh, Seismitoad Bats. Um, yep. But much like Seismitoad Bats, spread damage is back. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, we have Decidueye GX, Umbreon GX, Espeon GX. Um, Jushiro, you could talk a little bit about spread damage and like how important it is to get those numbers. Um, yeah, you you'd know better than I would. You've been playing a lot longer. So t- when it, as we always discuss, when it comes to TCG, math is important. And all these cards that are readily available to be able to cost damage without actually costing you an attack are super invaluable. As Gator mentioned, cards like Crobat line, the whole Subat line, was something that at the moment before they took Crobat out of the picture was very prominent because the ability to do direct, what we call in TCG terminology, direct damage, it is very, very, very good. And we're going to see, like Gator said, we're going to see that coming back with cards like, although I do not agree, Decidueye. <laughs> I'm kidding. You don't I know agree, it's good. but everyone's testing. <laughs> um, but see, Decidueye does it with the ability, and I think that's coming back. But then mm-hmm. we also do have stuff that's spreading with attacks. Umbreon is getting the old Night Spear back, but for a better attack cost. For yeah. a Dark and a DCE, you're doing 90 to the active, 30 to the bench. That's and then that first attack with strafe, you're doing thirty, and then having them switch, um, you're just you're setting up the board with things with damage counters all over the board, and if the opponent's not paying attention, you can like yep. eke out those 
those knockouts, um, especially yeah. with something like Espeon GX's attack, um, that GX attack that uh, places 10 damage counters wherever you want them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And when I, when spread damage becomes to be a concern, it becomes to be prevalent in a meta, that's what you need to think to consider stuff. Is it worth it to play low HP Pokemon? Would it be worth it to place that 30 HP wishy-washy that you thought for whatever reason you wanted to play (laughs) is it really worth it to place that 30 hp wishy-washy on your bench when now spread damage is much more prevalent in the meta is it worth it even considering maybe even playing a shaman ex when you know that maybe your opponent might be able to do enough damage to knock you out on one or two turns because of course you can use uh tools that allows you to do apply weakness and resistance to attacks on the bench. So it is definitely something that might just shake the meta, and you need to prepare for that for sure. I think you get cards like Mr. Mime back that prevent bench damage, and you you start um, – there's things that are still legal and standard that are big staples in Expanded because mm-hmm. Expanded has these different archetypes. So I think these things come back. Yeah. Um, now, it, I'm glad you mentioned Mr. Mind, and one thing, and this is again, but going back to TCG terminology, there's a big difference about doing, uh, between doing damage and placing damage counters, which is very important. Now, some, some, uh, some cards will tell you, uh, this attack does so much damage to target bench Pokemon. And then there's some cards that say, this attack places three damage counter to target Pokemon. Now, Mr. Mine will protect you from one, but not the other. And I explain. Mr. Mine's ability says, this Mr. Mine protects you from damage done to your bench. This means that cards that specifically say this attack or this ability does damage to target Pokemon, those Pokemon are protected by Mr. Mine. But if the card says this card does uh, places damage counters onto it, it is no longer considered doing damage, even though you are doing damage, you're placing damage counters. That means that Mr. Mind will know, would not be able to protect you from that. So it's a very important terminology on that. It is indeed, which is why we have cards like Magirna EX, which says that anything with a metal energy attached to it, um, prevent all effects of attack except for damage. And yep. that would mean it would still get damage done to it to the bench, but you could not place damage counters. Yep. So it's really important to pay attention to how things are doing spread damage um, in order for you to prepare your deck for that meta. Um, what else? Uh, what else do you see coming? Well, um, GX is a big thing right now, and as with Sun and Moon arriving, we have those magical C moves, which everybody's already bored about uh, with them. But still, they're very important competitively, and that can be said with the next step, step of it in the TCG, which are GX attacks. Now, GX attacks, of course, are exclusive to GX Pokemon, such as Umbreon, Espeon, and all the ones you've mentioned here. These are attacks that you can only do once per game. This kind of gives you a flashback of what we used to call the Apex cards, which you could only have one per deck, and it was a trainer card you could only use once uh, per your whole game. Now, these are just attacks. Now, what's interesting about GX attar- uh, uh attacks in GX Pokemon is that you may have multiple of them. You're going to have multiple GX attack uh, cards in your deck, but you're only going to be able to use one. Now, this opens a slew of opportunities or options during play because you'll be able to choose what's the best GX attack at the moment. I don't see the meta shaping as to, oh, I am building my deck around this one GX attack. I don't see it that way, which 
actually kind of makes me happy. I see it as, no, this is my strategy, and these are the GX attacks available that can be great of great help for me. Now, it is throughout the game which I decide which one to play or use. So, it is definitely something that I see that is going to be very important in the future uh, once the Sun and Moon uh, official format comes in and we can get away with, uh, get out with all the EX cards and left with the GX cards. These are the attacks that are going to shape what is going to be competitive play. Yeah, and to your point, too, those GX attacks are going to be so clutch when deciding when you want to play them during your game. Um, do you have, are you better set up in your opponent than the early game? And then you use your GX attack then to like ensure that they can't catch up to you and win? Um, do you wait till the very end of the game to use it as a finisher? Um, it's really going to be super situational. And I think it adds a really interesting element to designing your deck and deciding what to play. Because if you're playing against like Lunala and you know you can get instantly knocked out by something, it might change the way you set cards down on the bench and it, it might change the, the, the kind of deck that's popular. Um, so I'm really interested to see how the GX attacks are going to shape things up. And also, I think with the GX attacks, we can't ignore the fact that these a lot of these GX Pokemon are evolution-based. Yep. So are, is it possible that we can see evolution-based decks getting more support? We've already got, um, with the Umbreon and um, Espeon, for example, the reprint of the Eevee, well, it's a pseudo-reprint. It's got more HP now, and it's a little bit different, where oh, you yeah. have the energy attach evolution. Um, that's going to be cool. Like, that's a stage one Pokemon, but you can get it out on turn one. Um it's going to be really interesting to see that, you know, it's not going to be such a taboo thing anymore to, like, say I'm playing a evolutions-based deck. Um, well, we'll it's, it's definitely open for debate, but I think that, you know, we're not going to necessarily be right if we caution people against playing evolution-based cards, um, especially as things keep changing. Yeah, so the, the, the benefit I see having GX, uh, GX cards actually needed to be evolutions or a more even playing ground. One of the, my main complaints about EX cards is the fact that they're instantly ready to go. You have an EX card, Seismito EX, you are able to play that Seismito EX, even though it technically should have been a stage two. And that automatically puts all other cards that are, doesn't have an EX on it, on a disadvantage. Now, GX cards, even though playing a GX card is always going to be more powerful or better than playing a regular stage one or stage two, but the fact that there's still evolution does even the playing, the playing ground a bit more than just having all GX, uh, GX cards being basics, meaning that evolution comes into play more importantly than before. And even though some, some critics might say, well, this will slow down the meta, me, uh, as I assume many people will say, well, the meta actually needs to slow down. Because it is empirical uh, that all most cards to be playable. And I love the fact that you need to evolve these Pokemon. So I'm actually very excited for the GX format to come back and say, no, now you need to evolve these Pokemon as you would with any other Stage 1s or Stage 2. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um I'd also like to point out, too, that with our draw supporters and stuff that we got out now, because we're, we're talking about our ability to go fast, um, I don't see if, as this set increases, we're going to keep in, and I forget when Sycamore got the last reprint, but it might be that um, if we're stuck with the supporter cards that came with 
the sun and moon and they don't get anything more explosive, things are going to slow down. Um, Lily, Elima, Kukui, Hao, they are not as as consistent as, say, a N or a Sycamore. Um, so that can definitely change how the meta plays out, too. If, mm-hmm. if things are going slower based decks, then maybe it's not such a bad... You don't have to worry about discarding your hold hand. You don't have to make that decision to throw away five cards that you might need because you don't have what you need in hand for right now. Yeah. Um, so that's something to consider, too, is are we slowing down? And, and that's a great point. And again, going back to the pan, do we need to slow down? And my answer to that, and this is a personal one, is yes. Now, we saw this really big back when Roaring Skies first released. And that was when, and this brought up the fact of uh, the Lysander's trump card being an issue. Oh, God. When, <laughs> when you have your opponent's turn taking 15 minutes... This is the problem. And that was really, that was the main feature. Other than it was broken as hell. And you had the seismic told Lysander trump card deck just completely destroying everyone. Yes. But it was in reality that it just made games so long because your opponent just kept drawing and drawing and drawing. You removed the win condition. Like, if yeah. you remove win condition, you break the game. Yeah. Simple. And it, it was completely out of control and it made the game semi-boring because when you're sitting there waiting on your opponent to finish his turn, a good 10 to 15 minutes might pass and that is just not good. Yes, you're going through your deck really fast. It might feel for you that the game is going fast, but in reality, the game's not going fast. Your turn, you're just doing so much on your turn that you think that you're doing really fast, but it's not really a reality. The game really does need a break issue. And I think, <laughs> and I think the fact if they really do, if they stand by by not reprinting Sycamore, if they stand back by not reprinting N, and really do focus on a more slow driven game, my, many of you might disagree, but I think that is actually something that is needed and it will be good to the health of the game. And also, one thing that I noticed in past sets that I thought they might continue and I hope they do with these sets is the fact that many of these supporters, why not, why not make them abilities where your Pokemon as they evolve do this? Why, I think it's more proactive to have the Pokemon have abilities to help you draw than the supporters or trainer cards. And that is something that should be taken advantage, uh, taken into consideration in Pokemon Company to add more of these support abilities into evolution abilities. When it says, you know, when you put down your uh, hunter onto your ghastly, it says when you evolve your gas, your hunter, you may confuse your enemies, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. those are things that are necessary and should be able to, and, and, and motivates you to evolve and play more Pokemon. I'd agree. Um, I'm just sitting here thinking about it, though. I, I, we're going to have to wait at least another year before we lose Sycamore and N, because I believe Sycamore got that full art print and Steam Siege, and N was oh, yes, it and did. Yes. Collide. So yeah. it might be, we might be having this discussion again next February, um, because they're still in the format. But we'll see. There's a lot more cards to come out before then. That is true, um, yes. So speaking of uh, Seismitoad decks and how much people hate them, Water Toolbox <laughs> has potential for a comeback. Um, we talked about it a little bit before with that card, that uh, the supporter that's going to heal 50 for everything with a water energy attached. We also have Lapras GX in this set, a basic with 
a ton of hit points, pretty decent attacks, and access to all the fun things that are in the water toolbox. And Glaceon existing, Regice existing, Manaphy existing. These are all cards that are still good. Primarina GX existing. Which, you know, is going to be really nice in my binder. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting with what the water toolbox has for coming out. So that might be another deck archetype that you're you've seen before that wasn't that long ago that people still have the cards and they still have them in their binder and they want to play their rough seas and their dive balls. Um, water toolbox, I think, has a lot of potential for comeback right now. Um what are your yeah. thoughts, Shira? Oh no, I completely agree. Now uh, we've seen. Now it's funny with water, where we see the potential of it just funneling in slowly. Not like, for example, grass, where suddenly we're suddenly hit with a storm of good grass types. Now water has been slowly in each and every set adding something good, and we're going to get to a point where we're going to see that water is going to be a big prominent side of it. I think the only thing water is missing right now is a great attacker. Once water uh, water gets that big good attacker, it is going to be a major deck. Until then, it's going to be a great deck. So, but definitely water toolbox is going to be a major player in the next few months or years. And to that point, I think that the the fire decks have that same problem right now. They're both mm-hmm. kind of waiting for like a big strong attacker yeah. that can get consistent because Volcanion likes Baby Volcanion. Volcanion Baby Volcanion works well. If there was another fire attacker that you could steam up and knock out in one turn, as opposed to you know building stuff up slowly, those decks would go off too. Yeah. Um, but that's actually and- actually a good question. Will we ever get those attackers? Because as we see in this meta progress, we're seeing that maybe we're done with the, with the times where a Pokemon could be doing 200, 250 damage per turn. Now it's suddenly 120, 140 damage per turn. So it is a big question mark as to whether where the damage is going to go in the future. To be fair, for Fire Deck, I would like 60 or 70 consistent. If you can get me an attacker that's doing 60 or 70, throw three steams that steam ups on it, you're hitting 150, you're at least hitting two hit knockout. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. But there is, um, I think, one key element that's coming out in these decks that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think it's really interesting to me, and that is the rise of energy denial. Um mm. So here's my theory, guys. Listen to, to Crazy Gator here as as I take you down the dark, dark road that is my life of denial decks. <laughs> um, we have Team Skullgrunt, the supporter that got printed, where you get to look at your opponent's hand, which is, by the way, a very underrated ability to look in somebody's hand um, because then you know whether or not they're going to be able to do something next turn, um, depending on their top deck. You get to take two energy there, not too basic, not too special, two of any energy you like, and discard them. That could be the difference between the win and the loss. Mm-hmm. We have confirmed reprints of both Crushing Hammer and Enhanced Hammer. Enhanced Hammer is not getting a reprint until the next set. Crushing Hammer has already gotten a reprint. You have cards like Umbreon GX, who has the GX attack, where you get to discard two of your opponent's Pokemon's energy. Wherever they're attached, you get to discard two energy with Umbreon GX. Uh, Rockruff has that first attack where you get to discard energy. I think that with all this energy denial running around, especially if Umbreon proves to be a really good deck, because Umbreon Hammers is getting tested a lot right now, 
decks are going to be forced to play cards that help them recover energy. Um, Baby of Vettel gets better. Um, things like uh, Rock's Grit and Super Rod become much more important. Special Charge yeah. becomes much more Fisherman. important. Fisherman. Oh, yeah, Fisherman for sure. Um, especially in decks that run a lot of energy. Uh, Volcanion already runs one Fisherman. Maybe it goes to two. Maybe Greninja goes to two Fisherman. Um because Greninja, one of the biggest assets right now is that you can just hold on to a... Uh, you can do your attack, energy goes to your hand, you're good to go. Well, if I know you have energy in hand, I play Team Skullgrunt, suddenly Greninja gets a lot less scary. Yep. Um, you've played in metas with like a lot more heavier energy denial, show. Like, what do you have to to warn yeah. the, these poor people? <laughs> <laughs> Never underestimate the power of one more energy. And what better example I can give you than Headringer... Headringer was a tool card that came out. It was a uh, Team Flare tool, which you would allow to put on your opponent. It was a tool card that you could put on your opponent Pokemon. And what Headringer would do was add, for any attack that Pokemon had, you needed one more colorless energy to pull it off. That single colorless energy made it a nightmare for any player. Because, again, we're going back to the whole thing that we said at the beginning of this topic. Pokemon, uh, or not just Pokemon TCG, any TCG is about math. And one extra colorless needed, it is a world of issue needed. That, that means something like a double, co- double colorless energy is no longer what you need. Now you need a double colorless energy and something else to be able to pull it off. So when a Hank Ringer, of course, was a tool card that added an, an extra colorless, now we come to a point where it's like, <laughs> you can get rid of those energies, which is worse. So the point, uh, Gator br- brings an excellent point. Energy destroying, it is very, very crucial in the sense that it really hampers players to be able to play as they expect to play. They need more energy. They need more resources to be able to pull off their strategy. And it's a huge nightmare in a game where it's all about getting the resources you need to be able to play. Anybody that's played Sableye Garb can attest to the fact that not being allowed to play the game as you want it is one of the most frustrating things in the game. And, you know, as a side note, Jushiro said earlier, only getting to play your A-spec once. When you play Sableye Garb, you get to play Life Do a bunch. And people <laughs> really, really don't like that. Um, nope. <laughs> there, there, there are ways to recycle your one A-spec card, unlike your GX attacks. So I think A-spec, uh, in my opinion, A-spec gets the points for me um, as, as a game mechanic. I love A-spec cards. I um, really wish A-specs would come back, man. There were so you know just like uh, historically speaking that was a shift in the meta every expanded deck runs an a spec card that card is just means it is so good that you have to include an a spec um and that's part of the meta too like that's part of the whole point that we're trying to bring up to you guys is when things are changing and things are constant in the tcg you cannot go online and just download a deck list and say you know okay this is my set deck list I'm going to get really good at this deck, and I'm going to beat everything with it. Well, new cards come around, new strategies come around, and people change and adapt, and you have to be able to change and adapt. So we've got some ideas for you guys to start reading your own local metas, because local metas are a thing. Um, I know Jushiro being on the West Coast, the West Coast has their different kind of favorite pet decks. The East Coast has their favorite pet decks. Um, that's why we wait until regional results to see like what is the best cards, quote unquote, because you have everybody's metas coming together. Um, yep. So, Jushir, like, what are some of the decks you see a lot in your metas? 
So right now, um, I haven't been able to go to many of these uh, local tournaments, unfortunately. This time around, uh, it's really difficult for me to get away from my job. However, Metas is something that is, as Gator just mentioned, something that is very specific to your region and then very specific to your whole district and then very different from your country and very different from the world. Reading about uh, about what Metas are it is something crucial, and lately we've seen that those that are able to nail the meta are the ones to come on top. Now, we don't have to look far back to see the worlds of 2016, where Omega Audino AX won the, cha- the world's championship, and it was because he was able to read the meta and notice that nothing... He prepared for Night March using Mega Audino EX and ended up winning the whole championship because no one was prepared for that. And we see this around. Now, here in the West Coast, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not able to see you, act, uh, tell you actually what is being played, but I can tell you that it is very important for you to go out and not do what I'm doing right now, which is not going to your local stores, uh, which is something Gator has been doing very, uh, very appropriately. Oh, yes. <laughs> Well, like the, 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 that's kind of like our tip here is like getting to know the local players and what their preferences are. Um, yep. When you when you know the people in your community, you know that quote unquote like what kind of decks they gravitate to. Are they somebody that likes the hyper offensive decks? Are they somebody that likes the little bit more controlling decks? Um, once you get to know and learn the local players and their preferences, it becomes a little bit easier to to meta game and figure stuff out. Um, and then, like Jushiro said, you have to you have to go out there. Yeah, you really have to explore and just talk to people. And I'm not saying go sit down with them and try to get the information and inter uh, interrogate <laughs> them that they're like you they were criminals in a crime. No, 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 no. Just play with them. See what's going on because. It is very, it's not only interesting, it is a lot of fun to sit down in a local area and be able to see what's going to be played. Because what you see in a very, very localized area are not just competitive decks, right? You're going to see a lot of unique, interesting decks that are being played. Decks that you've never seen. Now, these are not competitively viable decks, of course, but you're going to see a lot of people playing some really fun decks, and that's where the fun comes out. You go to your local store, and you play with decks that you've never seen before, and they're not necessarily good, but they're fun to play against. And then you move up, right? And you go to your regional... uh, tournaments where you see a lot more competitive play but still focus on a single thing and then you move on to that into a more national level where you see okay these are the top decks in the united states uh these are the top decks in mexico these are the top decks in canada and now starts to see a little bit more professional a lot more you know difficult a lot more uh, uh championship wise and then you move into the worlds when it's like these all the decks being played worldwide and these are the top of the top and the creme of the creme and this is what you need to compete and re- and as gator said reading those metas as you go by, again, it's not, there's no one meta to learn. And this is the, I think the whole point of this whole topic is to letting you know there, there is no such thing as one universal meta. There is a lot of metas in every single step of your escalate to championship. You just need to be able to read each one as you go and hopefully make the predictions, the correct predictions that you need to do to win. 
And that comes with being informed. So being out there, again, communicating with the people that are around you. And like for your local card shop, if you're going to play a league, you know the other players. The odds are they're not going and buying new cards every week. Um, so you can look and know that, okay, so XYZ, they, this guy has a, a Vettel deck. This guy has a Volcanion deck. This guy has a Greninja deck. Well, if I'm going into that tournament, I'm definitely going to play something that shuts down abilities. Um, you can look at the archetypes that are popular in your area and amongst the players you're with. It's, 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 it's the whole thing. It's getting to know people. And then you have to like think about it. Like what? How do you best swing the odds in your favor? If you think a lot of people are going to bring A, you need to bring B. Everyone's playing a Vettel. You bring electric stuff. Everyone's playing ability-based Pokemon. You bring Garbodor. If everyone's playing like super slow, you bring Mega Ray. Um, there's you. You have to learn to play the deck that's going to beat what you think is going to be there. Um, but and that's we have, and oh, that's yeah, where ahead. yeah, that's where league play comes into it, right? So the, each league. Every week has an, uh, has their own league time where you go and interact with players and that's your chance to just meet players, play against them, see what's going on, get feedback and see what people are playing. That's where it comes into play. So when those big tournaments come around, those, you know, those, uh, t- uh, pre-releases and then your, um, your regular tournaments and then your regional tournaments and then your national tournaments, that is where you can get that information from. So it is very important just as Gator said, just go out there, play, not do what you share with right now is focusing on work. No, no, no. Actually go out there and play because that's the way you're just going to learn how to be a great player. And that is something that although TC- PTCGO, a Pokemon trading card game online is a great and fantastic tool to live with. It will never give you the 100% tools necessary to be able to go to your local tournaments and win. Because it doesn't no. give you that major detail, which is your meta. Yeah, Pokemon PCG Online. Everybody's yeah. going to be playing their stupid decks like... Um... What is the what the one Typhlosion? You're not gonna run yeah. into Typhlosion at a real tournament. Typhlosion bricks super fast. It's not gonna make it past the first table, but it's all over the place on PTCGO. It is not uh, a meta-defining deck, even if you run into it a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a fa- yeah. TC PTCGO will give you a false meta. And that's very easy to fall into. You can't fall into a false meta. What people are playing in PTCGO, PTCGO is the place where you go when you want to test things out. When you want to try new things. That is not the meta. The meta is when you go to actually your local places or your tournaments and see what actually people... Remember, it is a whole different monster to spend on digital cards than it is to spend on physical cards. You don't want to spend on physical cards unless you 100% know what you're doing. Digital cards and then there's are... people that won't spend on digital cards because they don't know that they want to buy packs. So they only play with the things that they pull. Um, Correct, it's just, yeah. there's, no, there's no good comparison. And don't feel overwhelmed by this information, guys. Um, if you're a new player and you're like, what is this? I don't understand what's going on. Like You guys are talking about metas. It's all over my head. Even the pros... Don't always get it right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the meta is because it is unpredictable sometimes. It is predictable most of the time, but there's sometimes 
sometimes Hero is completely unpredictable, and I don't need to give any other example other than Whaler DX, the winner of 2015's US Nationals, where he basically won the whole, well, second place. He went to second place without dealing a single damage. And that was crazy. And it was, we have to just give him the credit of being able to read the meta. He knew that the meta at the time was all about doing fast damage very fast. So he played a slow deck with a lot of HP and a lot of recovery. So all of the opponents could not knock him out in time. And he ended up winning second place in nationals. And that's an example on how reading the meta alone can get you really far in. So yeah, guys, watch the YouTube videos, read, you know, go check up on Charizard Lounge, stop by the Puckle TCG group on Facebook. You can see and talk to people and be like, hey, what's popular right now? What are people running? If Jushiro wanted to go run to a tournament right now, he could hop into the Puckle TCG group and ask, okay, what deck should I be on the lookout for? You also have that available to you. But I think the most important thing um, to take away from reading your own meta and even if this is overwhelming, if it's scary, when you're in doubt, the best play is playing what you know. Yes. Uh, there's a lot I to agree. be said for knowing your deck, how your deck runs, being super comfortable with a deck. Even if you don't have what would be considered the best meta deck, if you know how to play your deck and you know how to have your outs against the popular decks, you can go super far with it. It's it's totally possible. Yep. I've no I don't know the saying exactly, but they say I know there's something a saying around the fact that those who polish their guns are know that they're ready for shooting or fighting. The same applies with the TCG. When all else fla- fails, go with the deck that you know by heart. Because that is half the battle. If you know your deck, don't go to a tournament with a deck you've never play tested before. Because you're setting yourself for failure. If you mm-hmm. know your deck... That is a great advantage to have. So just practice, make sure what you're playing, and make sure you're doing. Now with that, we end the topic, and we end the segment, and we're going to have a small break for our sponsors. But once we come back, we're going to go back to none other than, I know it's a a favorite for all use, deck of the episode. I know we haven't done it in a while. We just have a lot to talk about. But we're going to come back with deck of the episode after this break. Thank you, guys. We'll be right back. Good day, mates. Want something different? Then come on down to the Ryehorn Steakhouse and try our new Southern Carlos-style bouffalant wings. Critically acclaimed. And this weekend only, Ryehorn Steaks are buy one, get one half off. That's for you and your special someone. Ryehorn Steakhouse is a proud sponsor of the Puckle TCG podcast. And at Ryehorn Steakhouse, where if it moves, we'll serve it. It is. The deck of the episode. Welcome back, everybody. We've reached the point where we're going to talk about deck of the episode. Now, we're going to feature none other than is everyone's favorite ninja frog, Greninja Break. Now, this deck is one that is close to my heart as I played that quite a bit in the past few, um, well, at this point, (laughs) this whole year. And Greninja Break is a very interesting deck because it is something that is Definitely different from what we've been playing all along. We have a deck that features a stage 2 Pokemon without being an EX. So it's very different. So to kick things off, 
me and Gator are going to discuss what is the skeleton of what is Greninja Break Deck. Let's start oh. out with... Oh, go ahead, Gator. I was going to say, like, your standard skeleton, just to give you guys the rundown, um, either three or four Frokies, four Frogadier, four Greninja, three Greninja Break. Pretty common. Um, it runs dive balls, usually uh, anywhere between... Uh, some people run two, some people run four. Um, the same with Ultra Balls. Most people are running two. Usually you run a couple Super Rods in it. You run your four VS Seekers, your four Sycamore, a Lysander, a Fisherman, um, probably anywhere between two and three in. Um, and then Stadium of Choice is usually a Silent Lab or a Rough Seas. And then your energy count is anywhere between, I've seen seven all the way up to 11 energies. And don't um, forget... The one card that actually is a historical uh, signature of gods not being perfect, Talonflame. Which, me being the god that I am, thought that Talonflame was a bad card, ended up being being wrong because it is an amazing card. Especially in a Greninja break card deck. Alright, well, we'll talk, let's... Uh... Let's hit on our main boys first, because I've got a I've got a point <laughs> with Talonflame. Because you you're I think you were wrong about Talonflame. Yes, I'll always be here to admit when you're wrong. Um, <laughs> however, I don't think necessarily Talonflame's always the build to go for. So we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. So like we start with our basic attacker, which is Froki, and like you know, oh, you're starting with Froki, whatever. Which um, Froki, by the way, Gator? Which Froki would be the one you, you run? The one with Bubble. Because bubble for a coin flip that paralyzed could save you for a deck out. It could save you for any number of reasons. A paralyzed off Froki can be super clutch. Um, the amount of Frokies you run, if you're running the Talonflame build like Jushiro's fond of, you're usually running three Frokies because you want to give yourself the best odds possible of starting Talonflame. Um, and you don't actually need that many Frokies because of Frogadier and his... Hmm. Water duplicates, which Jushiro was kind enough to explain to us earlier, where you have the ability to t search your deck for all the rest of your Frogadiers and just put them on the bench without having to have the Froki. Um, you don't have to have any Froki targets to play your Frogadiers out, which is clutch. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. And I'll let Jushiro talk about the big boys, the Greninja and the Greninja break. So Greninja, of course is the main focus of the deck, and it's, right now at this point, we only have one Greninja available, and that is the one that blocks abilities, and I really like this Greninja. Yeah, my um, son. Well, technically, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that guy. We do have the promo Greninja that has the weird attack, but don't run the promo Greninja. Um, it's bad, and you should feel bad if you decide to run the promo Greninja. <laughs> it's the one that does the 20 damage to benches and stuff like that, which some people were trying to tech for the Garbodor matchup, but don't, don't worry about it. Um, yeah. So you're talking about the Moonlight uh, Slash and Shadow Stitching attacks, right? So Shadow Stitching for the uh, shutting off abilities? Mm-hmm. That's okay. the one. So Shadow Stitching is a great uh, attack. It does 40 damage for one colorless energy, and it blocks your opponent's abilities until the end of their turn. And that is something that it cannot be under uh, undermined. It's a great attack to have. And then you have, for those cases when you need just enough math to knock out your opponent, you have... Moonlight Slash, which is 60 damage, and if you return one Grass Energy onto your hand, you do an Water extra energy. <laughs> water energy, sorry. <laughs> one Water Energy, you do an extra 20 damage. Now, this is a great card, but of course, the focus of this deck is not Greninja itself, but Greninja Break. And Greninja Break is one 
amazing card. For 170 HP, which it has, you have an extra ability. Now that extra ability is Giant Shuriken. Giant Shuriken says for each one, for one energy, uh, what it's Greninja is in your active, Greninja Break is in your active, if you discard one water energy from your hand to your discard bar, you do 60 damage to any Pokemon in play. Now this is a fantastic ability to have, especially the fact that you're doing 60 damage without even having to attack first. So it is really scales up the amount of damage that you could do. Mix that up that you can switch into another Greninja break and because do another. Because Greninja's got free retreat. Like that's, Correct. that's so clutch that the Greninja has free retreat. Like you can, you can start, if you have got two breaks, you're doing, you can max out at like 200 damage a turn. Cause your status, your, your two moonlight slash, or giant water shurikens is 60, 60. And then what is it? Moonlight slash, you said 80? Yep. So that's 200 damage for yep. three energy. That's insane. It is insane. It is insane. And, and, and why it was the second place deck in Pokemon Worlds 2016. Because it is an amazing deck that you just don't expect it to do so well. So when you see the deck itself, it is, it, it's dependent on a stage two Pokemon that is not grass. So you don't have forests of giant plants to back you up. So you say, how can this be so good? Well, it's because the cards itself are so good. Frogadier, even though Greninja and Greninja Break are actually the main attackers, it is Frogadier's attack that makes it all possible. Water clones or ninja clones Water duplicates. Are, water duplicates are, is the reason why this deck is possible. The fact that you can just, for one energy, be able to draw all your Frogadiers into your bench without having to play Froggy is the fact why this deck is so good because it completely hampers the evolution problem where you have to play each basic card and then wait a turn. You don't mm-hmm. have that with the Greninja break. Frogadier makes sure you have all your Frogadiers available. Well, those that are not in the price pool, of course, uh, yeah. available, <laughs> which is a big problem. Uh, but those that are not in the price pool will come into play into your bench as if they were basics, meaning that by the next turn, they're ready to evolve. So, and that combined with Dive Ball, which allows you to grab any water ba- uh, uh, card from your deck, Pokemon, from your deck into your hand, makes it so much powerful, so easy for you to be able to get those Greninjas as fast as possible and to be able to deal the necessary damage needed to knock out whatever you need to be knocked out. Yeah, that's, per- that's true. And uh, so as far as like the basic cards that else are in the deck i went over stuff with you guys the the super rods are there to get your water energies back um this deck can also play splash energy splash energy can be really clutch because Mm -hmm. instead of having to go search your deck for those pokemon that get knocked out splash energy allows you to put those pokemon back into your hand um and that that can just win you games because now you've you've already got the setup for next turn you can put out that greninja break and you've still got two greninja breaks active um so there's a couple way to run this deck um, I think the stadium argument's over now. Um, it used to be rough seeds, but now with the Giratina promo, and again, this goes back to reading the meta. Um, since Giratina promo is the thing, you run Silent Lab so that Giratina promo can't knock you out. And Silent Lab's actually really good because Silent Lab also shuts off the opponent Shamans, Hoopas, Volcanion yep. EXs, um, and of course the Giratina promo. Um, 
So the real two ways to run this deck is Talonflame or Jirachi slash Beedrill. Um, uh, Jashir, you want to talk to us a little bit about like why Talonflame's good? Yes. So Talonflame was the card of 2016 that took me for uh, by surprise. Now Talonflame has a very unique ability in the deck. Its ability states that if if it's if it's the only card the uh on your if you, it's in your hand during your first turn, you're able to play it as a basic. Now that combined with its attack, which is Aero Blitz, for one colonist energy, it does forty damage and allows you to find any two cards in your deck and put them into your hand. It is a very powerful setup card if you're able to get that on turn one. Now, the beauty about Greninja Break, and it shares that beauty with other decks like Primal Groudon, is the fact that if you don't have a Talonflame in your first hand, Mulligan. That mean what I mean by that is you want to play for that. So you what what you want to do is. Don't play basics. Just have three froggies and four talent flames. Make sure that if your talent flame is not in your hand or your froggy, just mulligan to your next hand. So you make sure you start with the card that you need. Now talent flame starting means that you're able to not only deal immediate damage, 40 damage on your first turn is a lot of damage to do on your first turn but not only are you doing 40 damage you're also setting up your whole deck and that allows you to get cards like bursting balloons or the froggy or the frogadiers that you need everything that you need to be able to set up as quickly as possible so talent flame is a legit and solid version of this deck that is being played and still being played that is very powerful and just allows you to set up in time and it's definitely the preferred version in Expanded. However, in Standard, there's been a success with a build that features um, J- the Jirachi promo, the Jirachi XY67, yeah. that has the Stardust abil- um, yeah. attack, where you can discard a special energy off your opponent's active, and then they cannot hurt uh, Jirachi during their next turn. Um, that was really clutch in the um, Evetal matchups, and- with being able to deny DCEs and anything that was running Double Dragon energy as well. And um, they were also running the Beedrill EX. And Beedrill EX had an attack that removed tools. And one of the biggest opponents for this deck is Garb. And we'll talk in a minute about, like, how to beat Greninja. But, um, and, uh, so yeah, that was the different, that was the different variations that people were running. They were going no Talonflames. Because one of the drawbacks of Talonflame is even if you, if even if you do start a Talon Flame, you still have three dead cards into your deck, and top decking a dead Talon Flame that you can no way, shape, or form play again in this game is harsh, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're if you're digging for that last energy or you're digging for a VS Seeker. Um, so that's that's a different way to run it. Some spicy text for you guys: Max Potions in this deck is really gross because with that <laughs> 170 HP, it's hard to one shot, and considering it only needs one energy to attack. You can uh, Moonlight Slash, do 80 damage, return the energy to your hand. Next turn, Max Potion, remove all the damage they did, reattach the energy, and good to go. Um, Max Energy is gross. Uh, Enhanced Hammer is another fun tech in this deck because, again, you have things running DCE. Uh, A one-of of of Rare Candy can be super clutch. Um, And those turns that you uh, need to go from Froakie to Greninja and the Frogadiers are out or prized... Um, it can be a really cheeky way to get yourself back into the game. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Team Flare Grunts, 
are always good for denying energy and uh Ace Trainer in this deck is also really good because you can end up down in the prize trade because if they take an early Froki, and then guess what? You get six, they get three. GG, they're fighting from the bottom. Um, that would be my spicy little text for Greninja if I was going to run it. Um, there's all kinds of different ways to run this deck. There's a little bit There's a little bit of room in the list. Um, it just depends on how you want to play it. Um, if you're playing against Greninja and you hate Greninja, block abilities. Um, Hex Maniac, Garb, um, and if you're playing the Mirror Match, the first person to Shadow Stitch is probably going to win. Yeah. Like, if you're set up first and you can start Shadow Stitching first, they they can never hit you with the giant Water Shuriken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, that's, that's my take on Greninja. That's just me been playing it. Um, actually, Jushiro is the one who inspired me to start playing Greninja back before I started playing TCG, the, like, the summer... And I saw that deck, and I thought Greninja was cool. And then Jushiro was running it, and I saw him playing it. So Jushiro is the like OP inspiration for making Greninja <laughs> for me. Uh, yeah, it's so. definitely one when uh, it it was during Pokocon. I, yes, and we were trying desk, and I built specifically a Greninja deck. But th- of course, that was when Greninja deck was a new thing. It wasn't as uh, st- as stable that it is now today, of course. But uh. Gators, you basically gave all the information for what makes a great Greninja deck, uh, Greninja break deck, amazing. Uh, and with that, we're gonna move on to our next segment, which will be Trainer's Mail. So we'll be right back. It's Trainer's Mail. Welcome back, everybody, and it is time for Trainer Spare, where you, the, uh, the listeners, will send our email, your email, to us, and we'll read them here. So let's start with the first one, and it comes from Magnapon, and he says, Hey TCG crew, so i finally come to terms with the TCG. I have decided that I enjoy it more than the video game series on a competitive level. Not saying I don't like the video game series, it is my favorite video game series of all time, and I have over 200 hours logged in into Pokemon Moon already. Anyways... I've been playing the PTTGO for a while now and have gotten myself multiple uh, multiple high tier decks over the six months I've been playing. I want to build a deck or two for real life and play that way. The only problem is that the local shops in my area only have a magic and warhammer community. The closest shop to me that I know runs Pokemon Weekly is an hour away. My question is, finally... How far do you guys go to play Pokemon TCG casually and for tournaments? How often do you play on at the shops? Magnapon. So, Gator, tell me, how far do you go? <laughs> Are you sure you want to start with me? <laughs> I can start. Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and start with you. <laughs> so, me being in Seattle and me being uh, in the situation I am, I actually don't have a car. So, everywhere I go is going to be a long drive. Especially because every single local store decides that Sunday is the Pokemon Day for whatever reason. Which makes my bus options limited. It makes it everything being, instead of a 30 minute bus ride, into a 2 hour bus drive because of it. Um, however... Um, it is very long. Uh, the one I go to, though, is the one down in Bellevue in CI in Washington State. It's called um, Mox Cafe or uh, Mox Boarding House, actually. 
And I do enjoy going to that one because many, many Pokemon champions actually go to that one. So not to brag, but the, the United States North, uh, Northwest side has the, uh, a lot of champions here. And I've been able to participate against great champions like Serena and I've been able to, uh, play against, uh, like Paul who won third place in the, or, uh, yeah, third place in the Nationals next year. So it, it is a great place to go to play, uh, the Mox Boarding House Cafe. But it's definitely a, unfortunately for me, a two hour bus ride. Not because it's that far away. No, it is not. If I had a car, it is 20 minute far away. The problem is that in Sunday, half the buses do not work. Because it's no longer, obviously, nobody works on Sunday. Um, and they cut all buses. And I have to take a bus down to Seattle. And from Seattle, take a bus to Bellevue. And it takes me two hours to be able to do that. While normally, it would have been a 30-minute bus ride. If it would have been in any other time other than Sunday. So that's hilarious. How about you, Gator? Um, I go to a lot of leagues. Uh, so... I, did, I don't know if I announced it on the podcast. I am a professor now, so um, one of the things I like to do is help out at my local kids' league, and that's on Thursday nights. Um, that store at Carl's Game Station is only probably about five minutes away from my house, less than that. Um, I could walk to it if I was super motivated. Um, so that's nice. I also go there on Sundays to uh, do more adult things, Um Oh, wait, wait. When you say adult things, what do you adult mean? Adult Pokemon things, you know. Oh, okay. Rule 34. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I do that on Sundays as well. And then there's a place called Grizzly Den, um, which is in Auburndale, which is probably about uh, 25 minutes away from me. Um, and they do stuff on Saturdays, Expanded, and that's where I went this past weekend for my pre-release tournament. Went 5-0. It's pretty great. Um took first place yeah i have to say i i mean i gave you credit on the regular pokemon podcast but i want to give you credit here and there thank you for representing us on that pre-release wanting <laughs> first place definitely kudos for you uh i've always said it i've never been shy about it unfortunately because i am old and i have a job and it's ridiculous my life right now i haven't been able to keep up as much as you but you definitely represent what is the epic uh the epic and powerful side of pokemon tcg cast so Congratulations to you for playing, uh, for winning that pre-release for for well, real. Thank you very much, and shout out to our local listeners that I've got involved in the podcast, Blake, uh, Jeremy. They've, you know, I've, 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 we're recruiting local too. You know, puckles everywhere. I play proudly with my puckle GCG mat everywhere I go. Um, so just for leagues, I go to those three, and then also I do a Monday night league as well. Um, which is probably about 10, 15 minutes from my house. But for Thursday night league and Monday night league, I throw my bag in my car on the way to work and I just drive home from work, um, and hit up the league before I actually end up heading home for the night. And then as far as tournaments go, um, the furthest I've driven for a tournament is in Maitland, which was an hour plus drive from my house. And then also I've driven to Tampa for tournaments, which is another hour from my house. Um, so if it's a tournament thing and not just league, I'm willing to probably willing to drive. See, that's tricky because I was almost willing to drive to Georgia and Georgia regionals would have been an eight hour drive. So once you start getting like into it and it's your thing, uh, distance becomes a little bit more flexible. But my yeah. advice to you, um, the listener, if you do not have something local, 
the Pokemon professor test accepts just about anybody if you can, you know, pass a background check and you can uh, apply to be an organizer and you can approach your local shop and be like, hey, if I was an organizer for this, drum up interest in the community, you might not be the only one around in your community that's looking for somebody to play with. You can get a league started yourself if that's if you're in such a place where you don't have one local. It's always an option to make one. Yep, and Magnapon directly to you. Um, it is if you have to drive an hour down, but you are actually determined to play competitive in Pokemon TCG, it is worth it. It is worth it to be able to experience and read the meta. So don't think about it as an obstacle. Think about it just as just that's the road you need to take to be able to be as good as you want yourself to be. So. I kudos to you to be able to make those drives and kudos to you to be able to participate in local stores and be able to win tournaments if you can. That's the way that you grow. That's the way you win a game and that's the way you need to go. So kudos mm-hmm. for you, man. Kudos for you. Now, go, now on to our next mail. Go ahead and get her and talk, uh, uh, and say, um, about the email from River Woods. All right. Hey, TCG cast. This is River Woods writing in for a second time. Written to you guys about my me and my girlfriend's Steam Siege pre-release adventure last time. I remember. First off, I'd like to say thank you for the two shows a month. That really is the best news that came out of 2016. Keep it up, guys. <laughs> We're going to try. Oof. <laughs> Secondly, I'd like to thank you again on the course advice for the Sun and Moon pre-release. I ended up not getting it in my packs, but it inspired me to run a 2-2 Alolan Raticate line, which was even a better attack for some deck searches. That's true. That's a good one. Um, it won me from games for sure. Well, I guess that and Lorantis GX and Shenotic promo combo also worked pretty good. Finished that event with a 4-2 record once again. Could have done better if it wasn't for that Elima guy. The designer of that card is Evil Incarnate, trust me. I'm pretty sure it reads, shuffle your hand into your deck on a coin flip, win or lose the game. And anyways, that was super fun. Okay, so quick side story. Uh, I'm playing Blake, who's also in the Puckle TCG chat, and the um, second round of the pre-release on Saturday. We get down... He has me cornered, um, but he has no hand left, and he's about to deck out. Um, he's got one card in hand, one card in deck. I've got a bunch of cards in hand, and I've only got one card in deck. Um, I don't have the energies attached to anything. He's got everything up. He's ready to knock me out. I play Elima and force him to take the three cards, of which he has one in deck, one in hand, and I win <laughs> on him at the very end of the game. Just, oof. The, the salt level was real. It was. It was, it was I can imagine he had you know his own little salt mine in him. Yeah, he had game. He had game in hand. He had one prize card left. I had two prize cards left. And if if I'd have let him go to turn, he would have knocked me out. Took the prize card, won the round. But that was probably one of my toughest games of the day, and I won it off of Elima. So I cannot. Uh, uh, Elima's bay. I have a full art up one, so I'm gonna keep it. Um, anyway, that was a super fun night. Oh, yeah, my girlfriend came to this pre-release also. She finished a 5-1 record this time. Wow. She even won against me when we were both 3-1. Check that out. I'd say her deck was pretty balanced. It's always nice to run 5 Passimian in a 40-card deck. (laughs) 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 That's how I ended up running. I ran 4 Passimian and uh, the Makuhita line with the Butterfreeze. It was a pretty good deck. Um, (laughs) To finish this email, I'd like to ask you guys a question, if you don't mind. I'm one of the crazy people that likes to go after the Master Set Plus for every card expansions for years now. I have I have to have all the cards, including Reverse Hollow and Secret Rare cards. Okay, so Master Set, for those of you that don't know, is the collection of every card in the set, including the reverses. Yeah. Um, 
So some people just are happy collecting all the cards. Other people want to get the reverse hollow, the foils, the secret rares, everything. Um, looking at how much it would be to collect the S&M set around 900 US dollars, I was Oof. wondering if you guys had any tips on how to shop Pokemon cards. I didn't mind having to pay a couple hundred bucks a set, but I think TCPI, TPCI went cuckoo with the amount of secret and hyper rares this time around. Anyways, keep up the great work in Goldenrod, River Woods. Thank you so much, Reward, for your email. Okay, so my advice is um, pretty simple. There is Verbank City um, Pokemart on Facebook as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, join the Verbank City Pokemart and see what people are offering. You can get pretty good deals there. Um, TCG Player usually has pretty good deals. And a lot of the time you can snipe eBay. Um, I've had really good success in all three of those areas. I mean, of course, when you're dealing with something like a Facebook group, make sure that they have references um, and that they, you know, put like some sort of identification on their cards. It could Anybody could have random pictures. You know, you want a timestamp um, and always use PayPal goods and services where you can like do a chargeback. It's worth paying a little extra fee for the security. Um, but, yeah, that's your best bet is trading and just interpersonal stuff. When you're getting any kind of shop involved, they're trying to make profit on top of it. So individuals is probably the cheapest way to get your cards. Um, that'd be my advice. Yeah, and Gator's 100% correct. Now, however, don't underestimate the power of the local stores that have individual cards to sell. Go to your local card store. They might have the cards that you're looking for for a lot lower price than you expect for. I remember, and you can negotiate with cash. That's a correct. thing too with the local stores. Correct. Now you, this is not the place to go when you know what you want and you really want what you want really fast. No, no, no. This is not the case, unfortunately. For those, is what Gator said. Go to your websites. Go to your specific places that you go and buy individual cards that you need. Now, if you're willing to have time to build random decks, your local stores that you can go that sell individual cards. Is a treasure trove for things that you might not expect to be. I've been able to find VS Seekers for 25 cents and, and Ultra Balls for 24 cents. Things that normally would cost five to ten dollars or fifteen dollars. I've been able to find in 25 cents because your local store might not know the actual value of those cards. So it's always good to go to those places and get the cards that you want and you need or just randomly see what you can get for the price for a lower price and don't be afraid to buy bulk so if you're buying from individuals or trading with individuals a lot of the times people will give you a better deal including these small stores if you buy a higher volume um Mm -hmm. also reach out to people you see that are like trying to sell bulk cards quote unquote um, because people sell their bulk rares and their gx's and stuff for that for like two bucks a piece but you have to buy the whole lot of them um Mm -hmm. There's there's various ways to kind of maneuver around. Pokemon finances are weird, though. Um, if you want to learn more, just shoot us an email and talk to me individually. Um, I might be able to point you in some different directions. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much, guys, for coming in and listening to us. It's been a definitely fun episode. And, of course, before we go, we want to let you guys know about our different sources where you can reach us. Please follow us on Twitter at PacoPodcasts. And look for us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PucklePodcast, as well as our TCG Facebook group, uh, TCG. You can find us there. Please join us if you're interested in TCG or in Puckle General. Uh, uh, not sorry, not Puckle. 
Pokemon in general. Go join us there. It's a great community. I love every single one of our people that are a member there. They are amazing. Subscribe to our Reddit at Reddit slash Puckle. And find us on Tumblr. R slash Puckle. You sure R slash Puckle. R slash Sorry. I am, I am old. So <laughs> I am old. So I am internet illiterate. Uh, find us on Tumblr at Puckle Podcast dot tumblr dot com make sure you review us in itunes if you want to keep us there in the monthly shows definitely do that give us a five star if you can if you can't give us a five star just don't give us anything and of course if you want to support puckle and you have the extra cash to do so just make sure uh to make a better community go ahead to our patreon and just support us there Every single set you put goes to our community. Nothing goes to Thatch. We make sure of that because if he, he gets paid for the money, we'll grab his ass. And of course, when you can, you can join us the discussion at our website at puckopodcast.com where you have our monthly meetups, which is not actually monthly. It's more like bi-monthly because it's two times a month. And there you can grab your six. IV dittos and everything is super fun. Now, this is the end of the episode. Gator, thank you so much for being amazing and joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure for uh, for myself too to be on with me. Um, <laughs> I really enjoy my company, and yours is pretty good too. <laughs> and for all of you listening, thank you so much for joining us today. And of course, you all know we've reached that time where it's closing time. Great night.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.